Aloha mai kako. Welcome to Hawaii Can. I'm your host, Brian De Venecia. I am a communications organizer for Unite Here Local 5, Hawaii's hospitality and healthcare union. For our very first episode, we will talk about the state of the healthcare industry here in Hawaii, and we will hear directly from healthcare workers. There are more than 2,000 Local 5 members working in the healthcare division, most of them at Kaiser Permanente. So in this episode, we will discuss some of the larger issues faced by our Local 5 members, like job security, staffing, and overall future of the workforce. Our first guest is Miley Hamada. She's a Local 5 member at Kaiser Permanente, and Miley is among the workers who are currently facing the threat of job loss in the pandemic. So Miley, welcome to our show. Hi, my name is Miley Amara. I have been with Kaiser for 21 years now in the patient financial services department. We're the back end of the whole process when the patient comes in for services. Um, you know, it, it goes from when you check in, they're treated. Once they're treated, um, you know, the physician enters the charges. It spits out uh, into our queues, we process the billing um, under their Kaiser benefit, um, or if they have different types of coverage like uh, Medicare, Medicaid, um, our department is responsible for processing those bills um, because the quicker we can get it out, the quicker we can get the payment in. Our department is responsible for entering uh, payments um, from insurance carriers as well as um, the patients. Um, when they're seen um, at the time of service. Um, so we're, we're the back end, we're, we're the last stop uh, before that, that claim gets filled out the door. Um, and that's primarily what we're responsible for. Um, in addition, um, you know, we also do billing for workers' compensation claims and no-fault uh, accident claims. Thank you for explaining that. Um, it needs to be clear for our listeners, right? Like who are the patient financial <laughs> services folks that we see on the streets waving signs and you know, right. doing some actions. Mm -hmm. So one year of working in a pandemic and then you've heard the news. So walk us through that. At the ending of last year, I wanna say it was around September or October. Um, I was asked to attend a meeting um, in my shop steward role. Um, and we were told that Kaiser wanted to meet with us um, to discuss some restructuring that was gonna happen. Um, and we are in a partnership with Kaiser. Um, Local Five is our union. Um, we are in a partnership with them. So partnership principles are that you engage with labor um, before you make uh, any decisions that could affect, um, you know, the, the workflows, processes, um, working conditions. It's a way to be transparent, uh, being partners. Um, and so, you know, I went in, I guess, with a good mindset initially until they delivered the news. And needless to say, I was upset in the first few minutes of the conversation. And we were being told that our department, they were looking to eliminate our entire department. And the target date was 
no more than three months away, which was a shock. We had no clue leading up to it. What and was this happening? Is, and this is the entire patient financial services. And how many, how big is this department? Um, that would affect 57 of our positions, which include uh, collectors, billers, our data entry folks, our accounts receivable folks. It wasn't following the partnership principles, which is that you engage with labor for their input, basically in the embryonic stage. For instance, you come up with an idea of how maybe, or, or maybe Kaiser has um, a, an issue that they'd like to solve for, whether it be cost-effectiveness, uh, workforce effectiveness, whatever the topic may be, and they identify the issue, they engage with labor. They both list their interests, and oftentimes you'll find that some interests are common. And together, jointly, in partnership, you develop a solution that is fair to both parties, it's fair to labor, it's fair to the organization, um, and that's how you resolve an issue. Not coming to us with dinner already cooked, full buffet with dessert, and it's being served to you. And that's what it felt like. You know, it, I felt disrespected in that way. I felt disrespected as an employee who has dedicated 21 years of my life to this company. And it was like a kick in the gut, you know, a mm. hard kick in the gut that I, I felt like, how dare you disrespect uh, us as an equal partner in this partnership? And then you come and serve us dinner and dessert where what happened to us shopping for the ingredients, so to speak, right? Um, they're taking us apart piece by piece. So as if eliminating our department isn't difficult enough, they're ripping us apart piece by piece. And folks who are affected in the first wave since it's done by bargaining unit seniority, um, union seniority, um, it's emotionally, you know, tearing people down. You're, you're, you still have to work that 45 days until your last day. And even for folks who are not affected in the first wave, the first wave affects eight people. So even if you're not from the first wave, it still affects you. It, it's hurtful that you're seeing this happen to your peers. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster for all of us. And a lot of folks now have conditions they never had before. They're suffering from anxiety, depression. Um, you know, uh, some of my coworkers are experiencing hair loss, um, weight loss, weight gain. Um, I myself um, had to, now I take additional blood pressure meds since all this been happening. So it's, it's a tough situation. What were the big fears? What were the frustrations? For me personally, and I'm gonna get emotional, 
um, because it, it is hard. Talk. Um, but for me personally, um, I'm 52 years old. This has been my, what I've done most of my adult life. And thinking about going back to school, you know, potentially getting into another um, type of job. I know I'm smart, I'm a quick learner, but I'm 52 years old. I'm not gonna be as desirable as somebody maybe in their 30s or early 40s. So it's the reality of it. Luckily, I'm, I have seniority in my department. And through our discussions, we were able to get the company to agree to keep 15 positions local. We had to fight for that. But we don't know what those 15 positions look like. We don't know what the work looks like. You're taking 57 positions and combining them into 15. And I think it's probably because they're really not sure if their plan is gonna work. So those 15 positions could very well be, you know, just all the junk that comes back. What's that gonna look like? Am I gonna be able to cut it? You know, and, so. And with cutting it, uh, you are referring to workload or capacity yes. or job combination. All of the above. Our, our department is multifaceted. So we have a call center that takes all of the incoming patient question calls. Um, so for that piece, um, they're insisting that it's technology that's gonna replace that. Um, but we've heard a rumor uh, that there is a third party vendor that are currently in those accounts and probably gonna be taking those calls. There are There is some technology um, that are making phone calls for our collectors. And so we know that that's happening. Patients are getting text messages or repeated robot calls, robo calls, and they're not happy about it um, because when they do call in and they get a live body, they're expressing how disappointed they are in what's happening. You know, why is this robo call calling me seven times a day? You know, so um, it's clear that the patients are not happy about it. And yet, you know, our customer service people um, who take those calls normally, um, they're hearing all of those complaints um, and continuing to give feedback. And so it just confirms that what's happening is really not good for the patients. You know, and it hurts us because the work that we do, we go out of our way, take care of the patient and exude that aloha spirit in, in whatever interaction we have, whether it's with an insurance carrier or whether it's with the patient. You know what I mean? That aloha spirit that we give, technology can't replace it because technology does not feel. Technology serves, but it doesn't feel. And so um, 
you know, it, it's a hard pill to swallow that that's what Kaiser is transitioning to because their model is taking care of Hawaii's people like family. But how are you doing that? That's not taking care of Hawaii's people like family. You, you know what I mean? It, it's, um, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand um, how Kaiser is gonna continue to take care of Hawaii's people like family when you're making decisions such as this. I love how you use metaphors to um, to explain the issue and the situation. It's <laughs> I can't help very, it. Very well said. The way you shared about uh, technology does not feel or cannot feel they serve, and we can all relate when we have to call customer service and the machine is answering. Mm -hmm. And you know, press two for this. It press the star for a menu. No, that's always, why you hit zero and you just yes, keep hitting zero. <laughs> it's always frustrating. And so one thing too, that the community and the public will definitely relate is our capacity as a community to take care of our own people is ingrained in this work. And so when we outsource, when we subcontract and take away uh, the, the work from a local community to somewhere else, you know, it impacts the culture. Um, do you envision any type of, um, you know, how difficult it would be for, for Hawaii people if these things continue to happen? Oh, yes. Um, I mean, not only in the customer service arena, right? Um, Hawaii is unique in in how we display the aloha spirit and you know i know um some patients that i've spoken to in the past you know they talk about the services that they receive uh when they come to hawaii and how warm it is that you know they love kaiser they've been with kaiser for a very long time but the feel that they get when they come to you know a hawaii facility is, is a feeling they haven't experienced anywhere else. You know, that's something that can't take away from us. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure our Kaiser brothers and sisters in other regions, um, I'm sure that they're really nice people, you know, and, and they may do their jobs really well, but it is different. The culture is different, you know, so, I just, I, I feel that Kaiser is going down the wrong path. It's, it's not good for the community. But what mm -hmm. are the other changes that you've noticed, small things that Kaiser has been doing? One that really sticks out is um, they started installing kiosks at the various facilities. Uh, when they initially implemented the kiosks, it was kind of like a testing. Um, they had gotten this idea from California. Um, you know, so they decided to bring it here to, it was supposed to make the patient experience better. Um, and so they implemented these kiosks and, um, you know, initially it wasn't a good idea uh, because the error rate um, was too high. Um, so I guess, you know, they had tweaked some stuff and decided to deploy even more throughout the state. Um, and a lot of us looked at that um, as technology replacing jobs. 
you can kind of see where Kaiser was going because um, they like to lead the way in technology. I, I believe Kaiser was the first with uh, electronic medical records here in Hawaii. So um, that was one of uh, the things that they started chipping away. Um, and then, you know, staffing um, with our check-in people. So the registration folks that you would normally go to the clinic, go to the registration person, and that's how you check in for your appointment. Now they're encouraged to use the kiosk. Uh, so more and more, we're seeing a lot of that. There's a lot less uh, human interaction. And again, I've spoken with some patients and they don't like that, especially our kupuna. You know, they're not tech savvy. Um, so they, they miss the interaction. And for some of them, that might be the only time they're interacting with anyone outside of their household. You know, is when they come for their doctor checkup. You know, it's really sad to see that because a lot of our kupuna, um, you know, they do have a hard time with just smartphones. You know, I know my mom is 74 years old and um, I have to remind myself to be very patient when she can't figure out how to get back to the home screen or why, why she can't get her camera to work or whatever it is, you know? So I know the challenge, but it just seems like more and more folks are forced uh, in that direction, even our kupuna. And, and that's the ones that my, I feel for so much, you know, because they do struggle with that. And my husband refuses to use the kiosk and he doesn't care if there's a line, you know, he says, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use that kiosk because that is gonna replace somebody's job. And he's very adamant about that. And, and I'm happy that he is because I'm the same way. I can totally relate to that. And also at the same time too, right? We go to these facilities to access healthcare. It is to take care of our bodies, which is very, it's a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to your statement about technology not being able to feel is it takes away the humanity of the situation where we are being forced to be vulnerable because we seek help for our bodies, for our physical being, for, right. for our health. Mm -hmm. And the first things that greet us are machines and technology and people who we cannot relate. It is, right. it is very difficult. I can only imagine what uh, our kupuna goes through mm -hmm. every time they're forced to um, check in using mm -hmm. the, those kiosks or even um, try to uh, refill their prescriptions online or through the right. app. It's always so annoying. Talking about jobs, you mentioned how, just how important it is. And majority of Local 5 members, as people know, are hospitality and hotel workers. Mm -hmm. And with the hotels, we are still fighting to bring majority of our members who are furloughed back to work. I am sharing this because it is a very different situation with Kaiser. Kaiser okay. did not close during the pandemic. Kaiser actually grew during the pandemic. Can and you made share? a lot of money. Yes. Can you share that just so our listeners can have an idea of the, the unnecessary nature yes. of these decisions by Kaiser? Yes. And so this, this was another kick in the gut moment, right? So, you know, we, we have knowledge that, that Kaiser has 36 plus billion dollars in reserves. Reserves, keyword. So 
it's not something that they have to do. It's something that they're choosing to do. Um, now, in addition to that, yes, during the pandemic, um, Kaiser did save money by folks working from home. I think their projected member loss may have been um, loss in membership, but like you said, they grew. It's really disheartening and it, it makes it really, really hard to take when we know these things. You know, it, I guess knowing that it's not something that they have to do, but it's something that they're choosing to do. So it makes me feel like they're taking advantage of the situation that, well, we're in a pandemic. There's a lot of other people that are losing their jobs. So, you know, hey, maybe this is the perfect time um, where maybe it's not going to feel as bad or maybe it's something that the community is going to be okay with. After yeah. a year of sacrifices. Yeah, yes. I do remember because we we did recognize the importance of taking care of our healthcare workers. And so I remember, you know, CARES Act, uh, they were offered CARES Act money just so, yes. just to support them, but they, tur they turned, they it, turned down. it down. Yes, they turned it down. And they did so well in the uh, 2020 um, quarters. All of these information are public, yes. so we're not making yes. things up, right? No, and especially in the first quarter of this year, they just reported. You know, so you're giving us notice that you're taking our jobs, um, that Kaiser is struggling, blah, blah. And a week later, we get an email saying they're reporting out what, what they made, what that they had profit in the first quarter of the year. You know, so it's things like that, that, you know, you cannot help but feel that you know, the, the hard work and the loyalty that we, we all gave this company, it was really for nothing because at the end of the day, we're just 57 numbers on a piece of paper. And no, we're not, we're human beings. There's, there's a story to each number on that piece of paper. And I think the takeaway that we get from this is that they really don't care, you know? And thank God we have a union where we have a voice. We have the ability to fight back. You know, there's folks that were let go before us that, that weren't union members, that didn't have that chance. So we're really speaking up and we're really that voice for everybody else because it's, it's very clear that although Kaiser is, is starting with, you know, our area, it's very clear that there, there will be more. This, this is the first of many to come. There is a trend here, right? They are making decisions on behalf of our community without even consulting what we need as a community and especially for their members. And right. yeah, how with all of these things that are happening that big companies like Kaiser are doing, how do you see the future of Hawaii's workforce if these things keep on happening? I am really concerned. I am concerned and it's, it's really, um, it makes me sad, you know, what, what jobs are gonna be there for, for our kids. My daughter's in the same field. You know, what, what's her future gonna look like? And, you know, we need good jobs here in Hawaii. And I know that 
um, you know, again, back to our union, um, who fights for the best contracts. And I can say that confidently because I have worked for the competition at one point or another. Um, but, you know, we lead the way in wages and benefits up until now. And we actually raise the standards for the community who, you know, for folks who aren't even local five, they benefit from what we fight for because the competition don't want their folks coming over, right? So if we fight, we're actually lifting, we're, we're lifting everybody up with us as we continue to fight. So that's something I'm very proud of. I cannot say that more beautifully. Uh, thank <laughs> you for, for talking about the union advantage, right? And it's very refreshing to hear it from a healthcare worker's perspective, because I've always said this tourism industry is inherently exploitative. We've seen it from our members. We've seen the, how the industry um, takes advantage of our land, our resources, our people. But yeah. Local 5 has been one of the few entities who truly cares about Hawaii. That is in a tourism industry. And so right. I think it's a really good segue to um, the last piece, my last question to you, and we can close this uh, talk story is, what is your message to our community um, that, you know, how can we support you? And also how can we look at the bigger picture so we can all support one another? My message to the community would be, you know, help us, help us to continue fighting for you. Support us, sign our petition, you know, um, Call the union office, find out when, when we're doing our next action. This is when we need to unite as a community, as a people, you know, um, because although folks may not realize it, a loss of any job, just one, is a huge loss to the community. We're, we're talking right now 57 jobs, right? And we utilize different establishments where folks in the community might work. You know, same with our hotel folks not being able to return to work yet. That affects the community as a whole. So back to the whole an injury to one is an injury to all. You, you may not see it now, but it is a domino effect. So we do need the community support. We will continue fighting and we will continue fighting for our patients, but we need to protect our local jobs. We need to get those clinics back open so they can service our, our patients, our kupuna. Um, but we need to keep fighting and it's gonna take all of us to do it. These corporations are big, but there's many of us. It's like David and Goliath, right? We have strength in numbers. Right. Yeah. Strength and we will numbers. fight. We will fight because we're a local five. If I didn't think that we didn't have a chance to come together and unite for the right purpose, I probably wouldn't be doing this. But I, I have faith in my union. I have faith in my peers. 
I have faith in our community that we can do this. It, it's time. It's time that we come together. Enough is enough. You know, we don't want to have to move away. I don't want to have to move away. This is my home. Born and raised here. You know, roots go very deep and wide. You know, and, and I just hope that we can continue to fight so more people won't have to be driven to the mainland. Thank you so much for inspiring us, Marley, for, you know, this is a very eye-opening conversation. Our next guest is another Local 5 leader at Kaiser Permanente. She is currently out on leave of absence to help with the Kaiser Permanente campaign. So welcome, Gracie. Aloha, everyone. I'm Gracie Esperanza. I've been employed by Kaiser um, 18 years, and I started off as a nurse's aide. And then virtue to um, new adventure, I did baby's hearing. And then when there's opportunity to become a ward clerk, I um, I did that. And currently I am two diamond head in the hospital side. Um, I'm a unit secretary. Maybe you can share a little bit about when her contract is expiring with Kaiser and just the big issues that we are um trying to to push against well since we joined the partnership um in 2018 with um kaiser and um our national partner is the alliance and also local five us workers we believe in the program of partnership and knowing that our contract ending in september we felt like because we're in partnership we felt like Kaiser will be um, workable because of partnership. They will be gladly come to the table and um, tell us what needs to be improved, what needs to be worked on, um, but that is not happening. The, the work, the word of partnership, they're not utilizing it to its full benefit. Um, well, right now we are almost to September and I can honestly say there has been no agreement from both sides. It upset me because I thought we were in partnership. The workers, when we were in um, 2018, the employees went trainings. We talked about what is partnership, how to deal with both side working, finding the um, root cause analysis, interest-based problem solving, all that, um, we went through the training. And since our contract is ending in September, honestly speaking, we are not close to an agreement. And that saddened me because I thought we were in partnership. Um, it, sad, it saddened me to the fact that Working with Kaiser, it's not just a place where we just work. This is people livelihood. This is where we, this is our second family. Majority of, of our life is spent with Kaiser. So having Kaiser um, closing clinics like Nani Kiola or not utilizing the clinics is been um, full capacity. That's not partnership. And having to close unit in the hospital, that's not part partnership. And what's 
you know, what um, hurt me the most is that, fine, we're going to deal with it as partnership. But what hurts me the most is the patient. Um, we all know that medical access to healthcare is very important. When we are sick, sick, we are wanting to go to the hospital and to get help. And because of the closing down department, that is um, cutting back workers, cutting the access to healthcare to from the patient point of view. And that hurts me because I myself is a patient. My mom and dad is a patient. My dad is a survivor of stroke. And if there is no um, program or the, the access is limited, what are we saying? And even though I might not own Kaiser, but I work there. And people, my family member knows that. And I don't want it to be like, why is Kaiser this? And all I can say is, I don't know. It's running by upper management. I don't know. Because bottom line, local people will talk. So you are saying that uh, a few years ago, we became a part of the partnership. We entered this space in good faith. And now that our contract with Kaiser is almost expiring, um, there are things that you know we are not seeing into fruition um, or some decisions being made without our input as a union. Do you have specific example where that happened? Just so our members can you know um, grasp this idea of partnership because it's very complicated from uh, a worker's standpoint, right? Right. So um, I brought out early, I brought up earlier the interest-based problem solving. So where management and labor comes to the table, define the problem, identify the problem, and together as partnership, both labor and management needs to come up with the solution, how to deal with the problem. But Kaiser has not been doing that. They just been moving forward, going on the table with them by themselves, not having labor labor involved. And the only time Kaiser have the worker involved is when it's already been planned out. And that's not partnership. Partnership to us as employee and as well as the union is from the very beginning stage when, for example, if you're planning to make a spam musubi, you you gonna come together with your partner and said, what do we need? You plan, we're gonna need spam, rice, and everything else. Not involve the your other partner when you already built the spam musubi and then you let your partner say, what do you think of it? That's not partnership. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about just the local bargaining and we can discuss more of the national bargaining later. So locally, right now we have been meeting sometime now, beginning, um, ending of July. I'm, I'm sorry, ending of June. We've been meeting together and what I want to point out the main issue is, which is adequately staffing and job security. We do have other um, proposal, but those are the two that we are strong um, feel strongly about, due to the fact that they've been cutting um, workers. 
they've been closing down, um, like for example, our patient accounting department, they shut that down because Southern Cal has it. Um, it makes sense because we live in an island. You see, when when you live in an island, our supply is limited. Whatever we have, that's what we have. And if they try to cut workers out, we left with skeleton crew. And the skeleton crew, it's not going to be functioning well and provide that quality wow experience what Kaiser has been um, drilling to us we cannot we cannot because the left hand needs the right hand at the same time because we deal with life and death it's not like you're going to Walmart where if you don't have a person in the jury department the apparel can do it not in healthcare everyone is trained and they are um they went school for what they're doing that's something that you cannot just wing it that's something you need to be trained and educated about because dealing with life you only get one shot i want you to expand more on that experience because did you come out of loa before the pandemic or when it was happening i came out before the pandemic um Prior to me coming out, um, working with um, Local 5, I was I held a position in the partnership side, which is the Alliance Partnership. Mm-hmm. I, I was a um, Alliance Partnership representative, and I promoted the partnership side of, of Kaiser and Local 5. Um, I, my passion is bottom line. If it's doing the right thing, if the employer is not treating the employee. That's my passion. I'm I'm gonna get the the nitty gritty, get the bottom of it, so that there's justice for the employee. Can you? Um, I go ahead. Yeah. One thing that a lot of our a lot of folks don't realize is when the pandemic happened, when everything shut down in March 2020. Um, you know, a lot of our biggest industry is the tourism industry, so everything shut down. But we also represent healthcare workers. Local five represent around two thousand or more healthcare workers, and they are the folks who continued working and actually was, you know, the very front line in this pandemic. And when this pandemic is starting, we were there. I want you to walk us through what you've experienced and what you've witnessed. Uh, when it was starting, you know, when our cases were going. Up and we have no idea what this virus is about and how we're going to um, address it, but our workers were there being heroes. It's scary to live a moment where you want to move forward because it's scary. As a frontline worker, when you graduate as a nurse, you get into this field, you do it because you are passionate of what you do. Um, at times... Frontline workers give up themselves, even their own family, just to provide care to the community. And what the first department that got hit first was the ER. Okay. ER prior to COVID were shortly staffed. They did not have their resources. No, they started as a um, 
56 employees as um, ED tech, that's local five staff, and they, they end up with 26, and that's going in the pandemic. And on top of that, we did not know, you're right, we did not know what we were dealing with. So each day was a different communication from Kaiser. And we just got the, um, the guidance to our employer. And ER got it worse. No right PPEs, um, protective gear. Um, we don't know how we can catch it. And that's scary. Because when people come, they don't know what they have. And you have to, at times, you, you don't have enough time to put on the face shield. Don't have time to put on your glove at times. As frontline workers, I can tell you, Brian, it's a scary thought to where you want to just forget about it. Having to attend to a COVID patient takes three times harder to be in that room, not only to provide care, but emotionally, mentally, and physically, you're drained out. Normally, patient that you take care in the hospital, they can communicate with you. This, they're like in their deathbed. They have pipe in their, down their throat. They have oxygen. They're equipped to all this equipment. And you as a frontline worker, you need to be able to identify and be able to see the symptoms and be able to logically, mentally able to give that aid to that patient because they cannot talk. And it's hard when people say we're not a hero because at times going home we feel drained yeah we feel like it's like what did just happen and even though you just had an going home you want to go back because you know that there's more people in the hospital that needs you and yeah. it's sad oh, it's it's been rough the past year and a half and it is we're going down that path again, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I was just to share. I was I got a COVID test yesterday at Kaiser in um, Mapuna Puna, and the line was long. The line. I waited thirty minutes to get a test, and I've never I've gotten tests just because you know it was just because I want to make sure that I don't get COVID. But that's the first time that I've seen the line so long. And, you know, it does put strain in our um, healthcare and in our infrastructure. And I think the public needs to know that when we talk about ICU beds, when we talk about hospitals, when we talk about all of these healthcare infrastructure, it includes the workers and the people. And so you're talking about it's hard when, when folks don't treat you for you workers as heroes, but it's harder when they treat you as heroes and then they still say that we are overpaid yeah it's hard yeah going back to to the negotiations and the bargaining what what are the nuances with the national bargaining um just 
very broadly, um, I want folks to understand that on top of local bargaining, like there is something bigger happening on a national level. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I'm in the subcommittee for staffing, also in national. And I can tell you, we're far from settling. It's not, again, it's not in partnership like um, Kaiser is, may I say, dicking us around. They come, we cannot even, we cannot even come to an agreement. What are we going to, what are we going to tackle first? Because they're into like the process, the procedure, the wordings, where the nitty gritty is like every single day that we meet and we don't settle, a department is working short staff. And when you work short staff, the quality of care that you give to the patient is not its full capacity to where a patient can walk away and say, wow, I I came from Kaiser and you should too. You should go to Kaiser because they do this, they do this, they give good customer service. You cannot have that. And having to live in an island where people, it's a coconut wireless, people will talk to their neighbor with the with the rate that Kaiser is going, we cannot have that um, personal touch, that advertisement from neighbor to neighbor. We cannot because what their what Kaiser is not um, giving that access, the right to, and having the right to of adequate staff. That's the main main um, tool that they should provide. Because yeah. you see, Brian, back in the days when Kaiser, uh, I started in 03. That's the part, that's the time when people didn't want to come to Kaiser. They'd be like, what? You go Kaiser. Did you hear blah, blah, blah. We had a bad reputation. Then we, then the union and, and labor came together and say, how are we going to make this where people want to come to Kaiser? We slowly came and worked things out and people wanted and uh, our mission that time is caring for Hawaii's people like family and that's when people started to come and we built and we built and we built and then now again they're going backwards people don't want to come no more because they have to wait when they when their family member call for the call light they have to wait they have to wait to go use the bathroom because there's no staff. They have to wait for discharge because there's no adequate staffing in transport. They have to wait for their medication because there's long line. Our pharmacy, um, they're not adequately staffed too. And I understand all departments are not equipped to having adequately um, staff. There's backfill that they never fill. And that's sad because if it, wasn't for our members there's no kaiser and when I, I always say you know providing the right care for the patient because it wasn't for them coming to us there's no kaiser in moana loa there's no kaiser at big island no kaiser at maui plain and simple you give what our local people deserve they're going to take care of you and that's the local way yeah um I was just thinking while you were sharing that, that, you know, understaffing looks very different pre-pandemic 
like yes maybe that was the normal um and maybe from the company's perspective it is something that is manageable but it's very different in this raging pandemic when healthcare workers are understaffed and thank you for bringing that to light what are the next steps that we and the public can look forward to well as you guys know that local 5 is both the um the tourist industry and healthcare we both um work side by side cuz when covid happened we had nurses stay in the hotel because they were working um with a covid patient and that's how hotel had helped the healthcare industry as well but i'm telling you folks what i'm seeing is that no matter whether it's the tourist or healthcare the bigger picture is the greedy industry the management are working the same way they want to cut and work the workers to the very you know work them hard and provide them very minimum i just want to encourage everyone to get involved there's no um for kaiser um kaiser employee we know, you guys know that we are going through our negotiation and um we cannot solve and for our contract overnight um kaiser is not budging in they're not in um they're dancing around with our proposal when we give solid proof to why adequately staffed and job security is very important not only for us workers but for the community and for the longevity of kaiser in hawaii we gave them solid proof on that um i just encourage all of you guys to get involved we have lift led and letting the community the patient know that what we're going through get involved with that we are been sign waving to reopen other clinics and not only um to just reopen because of pandemic to permanently open we have been sign waving on the west side to have non akiola open um which kaiser had come out and said the clinic is permanently closed which the community is saying no we need healthcare access that side and then we also have community town hall where we ask community what is their healthcare concern um what is their challenges we want to know because again if it wasn't for our patient the community that we serve there's no us there's no kaiser so if there's challenges there's concern to their healthcare access we want to know because we want to work with our community our patient work together and bring it up to um higher management to kaiser because okay. we want to make their experience their healthcare experience as awesome as possible to where they want to tell their friends to come to kaiser what is at stake if we did not win or we did not secure any of these um contract wins specific to Kaiser and broadly to Hawaii so you can talk about you know the future of the workforce the future of healthcare access things like that what's at stake the reason why i'm so passionate that for me what's in stake is my family's future not only because i just say what if i lose my job then my family there's bigger picture to that um if i'm not going to secure 
the right way how to deal with greedy uh, management or employer, then it will be an ugly picture for my kids to grow up to. If I'm having trouble, the way I think, if I'm already having that challenges with my management now, and if I don't fight the right way, what it, how it's supposed to be, then it's going to be a lot harder for my kids to secure for, for them and the generation to come. That's what's in state for me. I would have not come out to do union duty if this is not important to me, Brian. It's hard because it's not us workers being greedy of having, you know, pay, in, pay increase and securing retirement and stuff like that. There's more to that. It's more of like, Kaiser, don't you want to remain and permanently um, have your foundation here? Like, we are not causing trouble to just make trouble. We're causing trouble because we want Kaiser to succeed. We want Kaiser to be in the long haul because Kaiser is a great company. What do you envision in your future, especially for your kids and your family? You know, just if you look to like the best future that you can envision in connection to what we're doing right now, like how do you how do you see it? I hope Kaiser wake up and gave us properly staff. What I mean is the patient ratio should be it doesn't take a um a rocket scientist to figure out one one nurse say to 30 patient that's hardcore kaiser should take should take it seriously and look up that it's not only making money is important it's taking care of the people that provide provide that financial growth Yes, most definitely. Thank you so much for the time, Gracie. And also to Marley, thank you for the vulnerability and for sharing your stories. I hope this provided a much better understanding of our campaign in the healthcare industry. And these are the workers who we called heroes over the last year and a half. So we need to stand in solidarity with them as they fight for job security, for better staffing, and overall for the better future of Hawaii. Thank you so much for tuning in. More episodes to come. So follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the other podcast channels at Unite Here Hawaii. And also our social media platforms at Unite Here Hawaii. For more, Hawaii can.